And welcome to the Krug Show, everybody. Larry Kruger joined by Jesse Naylor, Vish Kumarin, the uh, the triple, the trio show. Fire up the band. Um, man, 49ers are in the Super Bowl. We're here in Vegas. I'm here at the Mandalay Bay. Not staying at the Mandalay Bay, but here at the Mandalay Bay right now because, man, the Mandalay Bay's got some great Wi-Fi. They really do. Fantastic Wi-Fi. Getting ready to hit uh, some restaurant. Not really sure which one. Maybe a steakhouse. Had a phenomenal, phenomenal bone-in ribeye last night. Um, you know, one of Damon's <laughs> friends paid huge dollars to take us to this fancy steakhouse and then footed the bill. And this guy's got deep pockets. And uh, so anyway, it was, it was a very entertaining night. Kev had a couple drinks. Ooh. Um, I ordered the uh, the the uh, vodka vodka uh, grapefruit, which is called a, a Greyhound. So I had a couple Greyhounds, and we had a bottle of wine, uh, and a and a country T-bone or country ribeye, bone in. It was very 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 good. Um, so all I can say is that I'm reporting back from the Super Bowl, having eaten a lot. No, but so anyway, then today uh, we went went out and just I listened to Shanahan speak, and uh, then the players had they had a full hour, had a chance to talk to Dre Greenlaw, um, and a couple other players, and just you know the Niners look focused. You know they they're focused, they're ready. Um, Sunday can't get here soon enough. There's an awful lot of media obligations for for the players, but it seems like it ends right about now. Yeah, it's over, right? I mean, that's that's it. They're preparing for the Super Bowl. They're fully ready to go. And we're just, what, a little over 48 hours away from the game actually kicking off. It's kind of crazy, man. The season's almost coming to an end. And uh, I don't know that I'm ready for it to come to an end. You know, I guess at least it comes to a culmination in the Super Bowl, which is what we all wanted. But, man, this season has been so exciting. These shows have been so exciting. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready for it to end, but here we are. Yeah, I'm kind I'm of I'm kind of in the same spot. I it's it's been such a fun football season. Every football season it feels like hey, like my entire purpose and this sounds kind of sad, but it's it's the sad truth. My entire purpose on Monday through Saturday is getting myself to Sunday to be free as a whistle and watch, you know, as Scott Hansen calls it 6 hours of commercial free football. Um so I I I love doing that and I I hope the Niners can finish the season strong cuz it would be a pretty uh tough way for this season to end. Um it's already sad when the football season goes by but if the Niners lose the Super Bowl. Oof. By the way guys, have you ever just been struck by something that you think is just so freaking cool and you're just like, "Whoa, what the heck is that?" I'm here at the Mandalay and I'm we're so busy just trying to find a spot that we could like get going for the live stream that we just parked it right in the middle of this convention center area. I'm looking across. There is no by, I mean, not, not, no exaggeration, a built into the wall TV set. That's like 20 feet tall and like uh, 70, 80 feet wide. <laughs> and it's just playing what I gotta, I gotta, I gotta take a picture of this. I'll take a picture, show everybody. This is unbelievable. I gotta wait till somebody, gotta wait till somebody walks in front of it so you can see how big it is next to a person. 
<laughs> Unbelievable. He's just so intrigued by this TV. I can't believe it. This is fantastic. No, I mean, this is amazing television. Okay, I'll wait till somebody walks by. Okay. I just took a picture. Hey, Larry, did you How's know that Vegas? Patrick Willis made it to the Hall of Fame? I saw that, you know, and, and you know what, Patrick Willis, I'm glad that he did because he was only derailed by, you know, of longevity. I mean, he was just so awesome. He was really the prototype there for a few years, and it just it's amazing. He had the foot problems, and he just couldn't get over it. But what a great guy. What a great all-around player. I mean, just, a, you know, he was a super blue-chip player. It's like I always, I always believed to this, too, that if you get an opportunity to have your coaching staff coach in the Senior Bowl, take it. Because, I mean, the Niners have done it just a few times. One time they did it, they got Patrick Willis the next draft, and he was there. And the next time they did it, they got Debo. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you get to find out, like, not just who's good, but, like, who really is wired to be great. And, um, you know, both those guys clearly are. What yeah, I, I, for me, I, look, the criteria is very different for different people. You have all these kinds of things. You have this guy can be a Hall of Famer with these stats, but this guy with the same stats isn't a Hall of Famer. There's so many weird things about it. But whatever the criteria is, whatever a Hall of Famer is supposed to look like, that's what Patrick Willis was for me. Um, Krug, like Krug said, the longevity wasn't there. But even without the longevity, the guy made five first-team All-Pros in seven years. That's unheard of. This is one of the best football players we've seen. Krug called it with the blue chip. He was the prototype linebacker. If you could draw up a linebacker in a lab and ask him to play middle linebacker in any defense, any scheme, in any era, that's Patrick Willis. He was fast. He was physical. He was strong as hell. He could cover. He could tackle. He's one of the most special football players I've ever seen. Um, Jesse, you and I were just talking about this right before the show started. It was like one of those things that, like, if you ask me, like, who's a Hall of Famer in my lifetime, Patrick Willis is just one of those guys. He's just one of those guys that was so different. And you didn't have to know anything about football to just watch the t- watch the game on TV and see that number 52 is completely different from everybody else. Yeah, he, he absolutely was. I mean, we were talking about the list of Hall of Famers, and – there's a couple guys on that list right. that stood out. We were talking about Julius Peppers. Julius Peppers. Talk, talk like about that. a clear Hall of Famer. Sometimes you just see these guys and, and they're different. And absolutely, Patrick Willis fit the mold, like you said, size, speed, could play in any era. I mean, really, he was – we saw him and Ray Lewis, obviously yeah. slightly different eras, but they crossed paths. And Luke Keekley and Bobby Wagner. I mean, all these guys kind of crossed paths a little bit. It was to me. It was Patrick Willis and it was Ray Lewis. Those were the guys. Those were the two best out and four very good linebackers, four Hall of Fame linebackers. But those two, to me, were a level above the others. And I think I I think it's great that Patrick Willis is in. I knew that it might take a couple times to get in just because of the age and the longevity. But ultimately, he is one of the best linebackers of all time, and I'm very happy he's in. I just tweeted uh, tweeted out the picture. You guys can take a look, and I I tweeted at both you guys. <laughs> One of the coolest TVs. I mean, look at that thing. That thing's freakish. Yeah, that's a pretty incredible TV. It's a big size. That's a big TV. I, I love who's on who's shown on the TV right now. Did he complete the throw? Who was that? Was that? Uh, he that- took a picture of Jimmy G about to throw it. 
Jimmy G, yeah, we're all, big, we're all big Jimmy G fans here in Vegas. In fact, right now there's Jimmy G going to Devante up top, but it's just such a freaking big television. It's just like it's awesome, dude. I mean, I'm sitting here going, this is if I could watch the Super Bowl from anywhere, it might be like right here with like food service. Why Are you go you're not going to be there for the Super Bowl, right? You're going back home. No, is that I'm going to be at home? I'm going to. I yeah. I, you know, you're watch it with your son. You said I got two two younger boys. My in fact, my middle boy Ben. Congratulations to him today. He made the varsity baseball team. Wow, nice. very very Did big moment for him. What's that? You coached him up. I'm the one who developed him. I mean, he was a nothing without me, and then <laughs> uh, suddenly. Um, I gave him the steroids he needed, and <laughs> I, I paid for the injections. And it's amazing. It's amazing what money can buy. No, uh, no, but he worked. No, seriously, he worked super hard, and and uh, so he made that made the Northgate team. So I'm very proud of him. So I'll be home this weekend to watch the watch the game with those two guys. But um, Vegas is buzzing, man. And there was today was a great day in Radio Row. I actually did a segment. You got to check this video out. I did. I'm doing an interview with a guy that I know you don't love, Jesse and Damon Bruce, but and and this other guy that we do know, um, uh, who, who's who's a real big LA, um, you know, producer and this and that. Anyway, you guys don't know him. His name's Sam Batesh. So we're doing this interview. JT the Brick walks up. And now we got JT the Brick in there. We got Mike Sandow. Sando walks up and he starts talking about steaks and this and that. And unbelievably, guess who walks up and is in this video? Wayne freaking Newton. <laughs> nice. Wayne is he, Newton. Is he still be, super tan? Wayne Newton. I mean, I don't I mean, I don't even know if that was really a person. He looked like so done up and so like. And he shook hands with some of the guys, but Wayne Newton. I mean, now I feel like I've had the complete Las Vegas experience <laughs> for the most part. Uh, that we had Wayne Newton on the show, so very cool day today. Uh, cool day today at Radio Row, and then we're getting ready for um, you know Niners Chiefs and 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 you know Vish and I got deep into it on Tuesday, Jesse. But I'd love to hear your your thoughts on it too. I mean, as far as how do you, how, you know, we're a few days before the game. How do we see this game? I mean, is this, are we, is it wishful thinking to think that the 49ers with Patrick, with uh, Brock Purdy, you know, can beat Patrick Mahomes and um, Andy Reid and a really good defense on all three levels? Is that just wishful thinking or is there a path with that you think is direct that the Niners can win? I hear I'm all over the board here on how I feel about this game, but um, I do think the 49ers are favored for a reason, but um, they got a much higher point differential. We're, jump in though, Jesse, go ahead. What do you, what's your breakdown on, on how you see this? Do you like the Niners to win this game or are you picking Kansas city? No, I, I am picking the 49ers. I have it 24, 20. You're talking about a chiefs team that has gone over 30 points just three times this year. You're also talking about a Chiefs team that hasn't allowed more than 27 in any game. Um, the Packers game, they allowed 27. Outside of that, they haven't allowed more than 24. And really, the Chiefs haven't looked better than over the last three weeks when they needed to. That's when players stopped dropping passes. That's when they started scoring. And 
Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey kind of took things over, it's going to be tough. I mean, on paper, you look at it, and the Chiefs have the better coaching staff. They have the better quarterback, and they have the better defense. So what is the path to victory? I think the path to victory is run the ball. I think the path to victory is do what the 49ers have always done best, and that's spread teams out horizontally, make them cover sideline to sideline. And this defense, quite frankly, is going to have to step up. There is no way that this defense can play the way that they did the last couple weeks and expect to win this game. I know against Green Bay, they gave up a lot of yards between the 20s and then really buckled down when they got their backs into the red zone. But if you do that against Patrick Mahomes, you're dead in the water. They cannot do that. I really think, Larry, the first drive of this game for both these teams is going to be extremely crucial. If the 49ers are up, let's say, seven points after each team's had the ball or down seven points, I think that might be the end right there. I, I really do. I think it's that crucial. You're looking at a 49ers team that scores on most of their first drives. You're looking at a Chiefs defense that is usually pretty vanilla in drive one. They pretty much will show you cover two and before they settle in, and that's the drive that you can score on them. And then vice versa, you're looking at a 49ers defense that has allowed offenses in the playoffs to drive right down the field very early in games. And Kansas City, I believe, has scored a touchdown on their first drive in every single playoff game. So that first drive is going to be very crucial. And if one team is down a touchdown after each team has had the ball, I think that team might be be the loser. It is the one that's down seven after each have touched it. So we'll see who that team is or if that scenario presents itself. But I really think points are going to be hard to come by which makes that first drive extremely crucial for both of these teams. Vish, go yeah. ahead. What, I mean, I know you shared those thoughts Tuesday night, but a lot of people in this stream haven't didn't see that particular stream. Give us your, your thoughts on, uh, as Jesse kind of stated, a, a path to victory. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've been pretty consistent about this game since we kind of knew the matchup that, for me, the 49ers need to jump ahead in this football game. Um, I, I agree with a lot of the points Jesse made, and I'm also picking the 49ers in this game. I, I genuinely, to be honest with you guys, I'm not sure who I would pick in this game. Um, on paper, I like the 49ers in the matchup. My context of what's happened in these playoffs and who the Chiefs are and who Patrick Mahomes is says I should pick the Chiefs, and conventionally, that's probably who I would pick, but I, I want the 49ers to win this game. I'm not going to put the bad juju of picking the Chiefs even out there, so I'm picking the 49ers to win this game. Um, but they got to play out from ahead in this game for me. Um, if you look at the one thing the 49ers have done exceptionally well this year, and they did it you know, throughout the season, is they've, they've scored in the first quarter. And now that slowed down a little bit in the playoffs, and like Jesse pointed out, it was due to defensive issues. If you look at the 49ers' first half offense, it actually hasn't been as bad as people want to think it's been. It's just that they've had limited opportunities with the ball because not only has the defense been um, getting scored on, they've been giving up these long six, seven-minute possessions, which takes their offense completely out of the game. And so, therefore, for me, um, that has to change for the 49ers, who have the number four scoring first-quarter offense in the NFL this year. I, I think they have to live up to that, and they have to live up to that against the number – Six first half scoring offense in the league in in the Chiefs. Sorry about that. I, I that stat stunned me there for a second. But here's the thing about the matchup that's interesting because Jesse, you talked about how the Chiefs can be a little vanilla on their first drive. They're only giving up, which is fifth in the NFL, three point two points per game in the first uh, first quarter. 
And the thing with the Chiefs is they're excellent on their script. And I've been talking about it. Yeah, the Niners need to get ahead. But the reason the Chiefs have been so good in these playoffs is they have executed their skip. And that's the script, excuse me. That's the one time they really have a schematic advantage in the game because calls become predictable and they've already planned each one. Or excuse me, they kind of know what defense they're getting. And therefore, they're able to kind of predict and have a script and flow to what they want to call. It's fully rehearsed. Everybody knows what they're doing. They execute it. Their defense gets early stops and starts you slow. And now all of a sudden they can control the game with Mahomes, Pacheco, and Kelsey, like you described. Well, how do you change that? You have to be able to take the game to them. I think that's the key for the 49ers. Take the Chiefs and bring back the Chiefs team from earlier in this year, the Chiefs team that has weapons that are struggling on offense. Put them in a situation where they have to play from behind and put them in a situation where Mahomes has to throw to these guys in a shootout. And therefore, that's what I think the Niners are going to do. I'm picking them in this game, and I'll take them 30-27. to Lamar just won MVP, by the way. No shocker there. Yeah, and AP Offensive Player of the Year goes to Christian McCaffrey over uh, Tyreek Hill. CeeDee Lamb finished third in that one. Lamar finished I think that was the right call, by the way. Lamar to get the MVP and Christian to get the uh, Offensive Player of the Year, yeah. Christian, Christian to get Offensive Player of the Year for sure. Yeah. I mean, he was fantastic. And that being said, would you, would you feature? You know, I mean, how do you want to come out if you're Shanahan? If you want to run, run a lot of McCaffrey right away. Um, what's the, what's the, you know, I do agree that the first quarter is important. I think we would all agree that a good, a fast start is important. Um, what's going to be the key for the 49ers starting fast in this game? And, and would you want to see him come out and just run it at the Chiefs? Because some of the numbers, if you looked at the Warren Sharp numbers, showed that the Niners in two backs are in, you know, are in two backs the most of any team. Um, and the Chiefs are susceptible out of base to giving up six yards of carry on mm-hmm. in two backs on early downs. And that's 30th in the league. I mean, maybe it's just a steady diet of McCaffrey. How, how do you guys see um, Christian in this, in this game? What kind of, what kind of rush total, what kind of day do you think he's going to have? Jesse, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because we've been talking about Christian all year and how we want the 49ers to save him, and oh my gosh, he's going to get 400 touches. Now it's like, let him touch the ball 35 times. Yeah, why not? However, however you want to do it, I don't care. Get him the ball as much as possible. But I do think that there is something to the Chiefs expect you to run the ball. You want to run the ball. So maybe early don't run the ball, but also don't take a bunch of deep shots either. I don't know that you want to, when the Chiefs are in in too high, take a bunch of shots either. Again, I really think the 49ers are at their best when they spread the ball horizontally and spread the field horizontally. And you can use the short passing game as an extension of the run game. Do that, mix in Christian McCaffrey running the ball, of course, and ease everything into the game. I think that way you can get Brock Purdy into a rhythm. I think that way you can kind of pick your spots when you want to run Christian McCaffrey. And I think that you can be very effective early. And then as the game wears on, continue to run Christian McCaffrey. And then hopefully you've softened up that defense enough to where you can get big gains in the second half and keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. I, I The only thing that I truly fear in this game, guys, is Patrick Mahomes being down with the ball in his hands last needing a touchdown to win the game. That's like the one scenario that I fear. Outside of that, I feel really good about this game, but that's all it takes is one final drive in this game being a one-score game with Patrick Mahomes having a chance to win. That's 
the one scenario that I just want to avoid seeing. Oh, absolutely. Cause you just don't, you've seen that movie before and you know how it ends. Um, by the way, welcome to the, uh, the big trio Thursday night Krug show this week, but on all channels, uh, we're streaming across all channels. And I just wanted to say off the start, off the start, <clears throat> excuse me, that we're brought to you by pig in a pickle, the best barbecue in Northern California. Thanks to Damon and Mary for sponsoring the Krug show. But we also have two sponsors for our Vegas trip, and that is Valley Hill uh, Roofing.net. Give them a call. They're fantastic, uh, fantastic roofers. One of a kind, the best you're going to find, guys. I mean, creme de la creme of roofers. And um, ValleyHillRoofing.net. Give them a call, 209-481-6851. And Sharp Corners Sports Cards and Collectibles located in Pacific Grove. Uh, thank you to Anthony Catania. Give him a call, 831-521-5264. Appreciate them greatly. Um, all right, we want to get into some of these supers and get some of these people's thoughts out as well. But um, first of all, on, on the Chiefs, when, when you're looking at this thing offensively, Andy Reid can do, you know, we know. I mean, he's like Kyle, right? He can dial up anything. He's incredibly creative. They do have a, a bunch of weapons. If you're going with they're going to stay with what they've done recently. They've streamlined what they do. They go to Mahomes to, to Kelsey and they hand it to Pacheco and they throw it to Rushy Rice and everybody else is a, is a small bit player. Those are the key figures in this offense. Are we going to see more of the same? Do you expect McCole Hardman and, and more razzle dazzle because against Baltimore guys, he came out and I thought I was shocked. I thought, okay, they're going to, show all kinds of wrinkles. They came out like a team that was just trying to like make no mistakes, move the ball down the field, short passing game, not even really three-step drop stuff, just like, you know, quick game, get it out, get it out now, run Pacheco a little bit. Ravens had a penalty or two, and bingo, they're in, in, in the red zone, and they scored. So, I don't know. I just think that I'm I could see more of the same, man. I could see – Andy coming out with this low, low impact, not, you know, doesn't look like much offense where they're just dinking and dunking underneath and Mahomes is running, but they move the ball. And I'm just wondering if the Niners, you know, will, will get up on the line of scrimmage and really challenge them if they go into that mode they showed against Baltimore. Because why give uh, Kansas City has scored on eight consecutive games on their first possession? And they get the lead, and then they turn it over the, to their defense, and their defense shuts it down. So, um, I don't know. That's how I see it. How do the Niners defend the quick game on first and second down? Yeah, I think Go you ahead, said Bruce. it. They need to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, we've seen them early in these games, especially versus the Packers and both the versus the Lions. They've you know played their quarters coverage, and they've played fairly soft. Um, and that's you know totally fine. Um, in those games, it hasn't necessarily worked too well, but you know, it's a way to play defense. I don't think they can do that against the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs will tear that up. Larry, I think they got to be aggressive. I think they got to try and put pressure on Mahomes early. I think there's a difference between being aggressive and then just being stupid. Like, aggressive doesn't mean blitz a lot, it doesn't mean, um, it doesn't mean throw the ball deep a lot, it means to be intentional. It means to, you know, come out and be confident. And I think that's that's what they need to do on defense. They can't call their defense like they fear the Chiefs offense scoring on them. 
because the Chiefs' offense will score on them if they play soft. They're just going to dink and dunk their way, like you said, for lack of a better term, up the field. And so they have to call their defense, in my opinion. Like, you know, they're not scared of anybody on the Chiefs' offense. And frankly, even with Kelsey and how good he is, and he is one of the best tight ends we've ever seen, and Mahomes is Mahomes, there's nobody on that Chiefs' defense offense that scares you in terms of they're going to go over the top of you. And to me, that's very important in this game because if there's nobody you're scared of going the top of over the top, you should be able to play a little more aggressive. You should be able to take your chances. And I hope the Niners' uh, offense actually does – or excuse me, I hope the Niners' defense. I hope the offense as well, but I hope the defense does that. It's that, yeah. short, it's that short passing game that's so scary because he doesn't really do anything. It's just like Kelsey off the line of scrimmage if you give him a free release – He'll hit him, you know, running within three yards. And and he does the same thing to – he hasn't thrown a lot to Pacheco, but he hits Rice on some short stuff. And then when – if you it, you know, it's like they almost feel like they're they're trying to get to third and three, and then they set up a bunch of looks that should put a lot of pressure on you, and then Mahomes runs it himself, and they stay on the field. I mean, it's just – they're really, really good at doing – you know, not making the big mistake and just – moving the ball so methodically. Um, what kind of offensive game plan do you think Kyle's going to have? I, I think, I think I really think it's pretty much exactly what I said. It's stretching the ball horizontally, running the ball with Christian, getting Purdy involved through the short passing game. And I don't, I don't think that I look at the Chiefs secondary and I, I definitely respect them, but I can see a path where Purdy can get loose in the second half as well because the 49ers forced them to bring that second safety down and go eight men in the box. Why not take your chances with Purdy? Kittle. Kittle should have a big game as well. You look at Ayuk, he's going to have luxurious need on him, I would imagine, most of the game. That's going to be tough sledding for him. But use him as your decoy, use him as your clear-out route guy, and let Kittle go to work. I really think this could be a huge game for Kittle. And I can't get out of my mind what Kittle said at the end of that last Super Bowl. We will be back, and we will be back with a vengeance. Well, guess what? You get to play the Kansas City Chiefs again. So to me, I think that's somebody who's ready to have a big game, be involved in the passing game. And just the way that the Kansas City Chiefs defense is constructed, I think it's designed for him to have a big game. I want to see Kittle get involved and have a big game here for sure. Yeah. I, I think that they just, you know, need to take advantage of their advantages. The Chiefs' interior defensive line is lacking size. Yes, Chris Jones is an unbelievable player, but they're missing Derek Nadi. They don't have the same depth across their defensive line that they've had. They struggled to stop the run versus the Bills. The Bills' offensive line kind of mauled them. Um, not saying the Niners' offensive line really mauls anybody, but they should have their opportunities to run the football. Jesse talked about it, getting the horizontal passing game going, getting the ball into their hands of their playmakers. I think Juwan Jennings will have a big impact in this game, both as a blocker and as a receiver, as well as I think Kittle will have a big game. I think the two guys that are going to get the ball the most is going to be one McCaffrey, Debo too. I, I think the big thing for the Niners, though, is they have to play with force they have to take the game to the Chiefs they have to be aggressive um I, I I really think this Chiefs team can get beaten and can get beaten handedly if you can get a lead on them and I think that's the part of the of the picture people have missed in the playoffs if you can get up one to two scores on them you change the game for this team they're not as good in that situation as they've been in the past their weapons aren't that good 
I think this is a great opportunity for the Niners. They have so much talent on offense. Um, this is a really good defense, but you know, when the Niners offense clicks and it works the way it should work, it's, it's impossible to stop for anybody. Uh, let's hit some supers here, man. We got Matt in the house. What did Matt have to say? Sid, um, how would you all like to see the offensive touches spread out from most to least between CMC, Debo, uh, IU, Kittle, Jennings, and Juice? Um, I just want to make sure that, I, you know, you can't, you can't emphasize, um, you know, you can't necessarily determine how it goes. But CMC, you're going to hand the ball to. I would say I want to see 20-plus touches. I'd like to see 20-plus carries for CMC and maybe close to 25 touches. And as far as Debo, I'd like to see Debo get, you know, 10 touches in any way possible. If he got 10 touches over the course of the game, running or passing in any split, that would be great. Um and I'd like to make sure you've got at least five to seven, you know, targets. I mean, that's the way I look at it. The other guys can pick it, pick it up wherever there's leftovers. But how do you guys see the? What do you want to see as far as the usage on the weapons? Go ahead, Vish. Yeah, for me, Christian McCaffrey, uh, eighteen to twenty-five, eighteen to twenty-two touches somewhere in there. He he's got to get the ball. He's got to be the guy that they feed. I would say Debo somewhere, you know, 8 to 12 touches. I, I think especially early in this game to set an attitude to this game, it's just Debo, his energy is so infectious. The team plays so well around his physicality. I think him would be, he would be next. I know I said a big Kittle game as well. I think Kittle will have a big game in terms of making big plays. I don't necessarily know that he will be targeted excessively in this game I think he will be blocking a lot as he's has been in the playoffs and he tends to be when all of the weapons are there he seems to be the least targeted guy so I will say that Brandon Ayuk probably you know five to seven targets maybe a little bit more George Kittle two to three but I think his every one of his targets will be meaningful and then same thing with Jennings it'll be one to three touches for me but I think his targets his catches will all be meaningful in this game go ahead Jesse yeah, I think uh, I think I'll go with with what I was laying out. I'll CMC obviously with the most touches because he does run the ball. I'm gonna go Kittle number two, Debo three, and Ayuk yeah. four. Uh, I I really think that Snead and Ayuk are that's gonna be a fun battle. But there's no reason not that Ayuk can't get open or can't create separation. And if he does, get him the ball. But why even take a chance and throwing at Snead when you have a lot easier avenues? to move the ball down the field. So for me, I, I would try to steer clear of that matchup as much as possible. Allow Ayuk to just take him completely out of the game and let all these other guys cook a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I just had a, th a thought as I'm watching on this board, there were some linebacker highlights of, uh, of Willis and, you know, just that maybe this is the weekend of the Niner linebacker, you know, Willis, you know, in the Hall of Fame and Greenlaw and uh, Warner in this game, because to me, I don't see the Niners winning this game unless those two guys are just monster, you know, because Pacheco's going to run it. Uh, they're going to throw it short a lot. You know, it's just going to be a lot of action and in, in, in how much, you know, how, sh how good those guys are could determine a lot. I, I think that I could easily see them both with double digit tackles in the game. And, um, 
you know, maybe that will be the theme of the weekend. Niner linebackers on the day. I like it. They're good enough to do it. That's for sure. Um, Manny says, Brother Bob about to pay mortgages off with these super chats tonight. <laughs> uh, we got Cryptic who says, um, shout out to P. Willis, best 49 line, 49er linebacker to do it, number 52. Um, and there's been some good ones for sure. Gizmo Maltese, what do they need to do to stop the screen passes and the outside runs? What should be their strategy? I mean, I think I think on on I asked um, Steve Wilkes about screen passes a month ago or so, and he's just like, man, you just got to bust ass and want it. You know what I mean? Because you're going to be going one direction, then you got to flip around and go the other direction, and you got to read it, and you got to go, and you got to you got to be really really physical. They got to get as many both in the run game and on the short the the the, the short game, the screen passes, the little stop routes. They got the same way you got to be on time on offense. You got to be on time on defense. You know, you've got to, they got to close fast. They got to try to time some of these um, aggressive hits underneath. And they've got to make the chief offensive players pay the price for catching the ball in front of them with a big hit. Um, I think that's it. Other than, you know, because you can't over pursue and have Mahomes throw it over your head. But, but you can't sit back and just let him do, I mean, Baltimore allowed him to complete, I believe, 11 for 11 to start the game. And it was all just underneath stuff. So that, that'll be a bad omen. If Mahomes starts 11 for 11 again, that'll be a bad omen as to uh, how things may go. Um, well, I'm curious to see who the Chiefs activate this week. Is it going to be McCole Hardman? Is it going to be Kadarius Tony? I mean, potentially both. But whoever it is out of those two, that's going to be their end-around guy. And, and then their as far as return screen, guy and their kick return guy. Yeah. So as far as screens and end rounds go, I mean, you really have to trust your corners to kind of funnel everything back inside and either make tackles or just keep containment. And then you can't, you can't miss tackles And the 49ers have been up and down with missed tackles this year. So that'll be a, a big factor in this game. If they want to contain some of the end rounds and screens and what have you. So. I, I got something for you guys on, on the other side. And this is a part of the matchup that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about. There's a guy on Twitter. His name is Coach underscore A. You guys should follow him. He's fantastic. One of the best uh, uh, accounts in terms of learning defense, X's and O's and all of that. And one of the things he's been consistently posting the last couple weeks is the Chiefs' tendency to blitz when teams get condensed. And what they do when teams get condensed is Spags blitzes his corners. Why would you blitz your corners? Because when receivers are lined up with tighter splits, which means when they're condensed, they're closer to the offensive linemen, right? There's less space. There's wider spaces for them to uh, attack uh, outside, and they're lined up inside of the hashes. What happens is it's less path for the corners to travel and get to the quarterback, right? You blitz a corner, and a corner runs four three. That's like five yards. He's got a dead on sprint to stop run and stop. Uh, Get to the quarterback. How do you think the Niners are going to combat this? One of the things that we've seen the Chiefs do in the past in 2019 is they blitz the pre-snap motion. They don't follow it. They blitz right through the Niners' pre-snap motion, and they you know, uh, disrupt the play before the eye candy gets going. What do you think the Niners are going to do to solve uh, that problem? And do you think that Brock Purdy being able to have answers against pressure so consistently 
um, throughout his career, and especially this year, do you think that will ultimately be the difference in the game? I think playing the Ravens was crucial because the Ravens did the same thing. And one thing that Brock Purdy has had a little bit of an issue with is some batted balls. Obviously, he's a little bit shorter, and the Chiefs are the best at batting balls down. So that's probably the game plan, right? Blitz off the edge and condense formations and then get your hands up with the fat daddies up the middle and try to block passes and maybe get some picks out of it. So the 49ers have to be ready for it. And I think that Ravens game... They'll see a lot of similarities when they go watch the film of the Chiefs and hopefully playing the Ravens will give them the early access to say, all right, this is what we need to do. This is what we would have done if we played the Ravens. Well, guess what? These guys are going to do some similar things. So hopefully they have the antidote to it. Really, it's just having quick, easy passes. Debo Samuel is great at that. George Kittle can be great at that, and as can um, CMC. So uh, to me, I think they have the answer. It's just a matter of diagnosing it and executing on them. Yeah. I, one thing I'd love to see in this game is I'd love to see them move the pocket a little bit and get Purdy on the move just because I just feel like when he gets moving his, his, you know, I, I think his feet, um, you get his feet moving more. I think it's when he struggles to me, it seems like his, he's kind of slow, lower half and he plants his feet. Um, so anything where they move the pocket early, just to try to establish a little offensive rhythm. So much about about um, your success in, in a game is predicated on your quarterback. So much of your quarterback is predicated on his rhythm. You know, just a couple, whatever plays they feel like they can get his rhythm going. But to me, it seems like one thing I've noticed is that if he, if he does move around, um, you know, his his he seems like he gets into a little a, a better rhythm by moving his feet. What, what do you guys think as far as Spagnolo? you know, do you expect him to try to bring some run blitzes? Justin Reed, I thought did a really nice job um, in against the Ravens with a couple run blitzes and they're well-timed to me. It seems like he's Great kind of developing too, in, right? Yeah. He's kind of, he's developing into a really nice football player. And then you know, that gives them a, another player, against the run to have to worry about. Um, how do you see Spagnolo playing this, especially no Noah Menahue up front? Are they going to have Willie Gay, by the way? Is there any word on that? Yeah, yeah he's, he's fully ready play. to go. He's going to go. No no, no, to, no, Thune on offense, but Willie Gay will go on defense. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. All right. Well. Go ahead, Bish. Yeah, I think he's going to blitz. I think that's what he's going to do. Yeah, and he, and he that's what he does. And I think at some point he – the point I, – I think the thing with the Chiefs and the thing with Spagnola is you when you have an offense and a quarterback that teams fear and that causes offenses to just be so stiff and tight because they're always scared of executing because they know that the other guy is going to outscore them, it allows him to completely unlock his creativity – because he knows at some point in the game, because of his quarterback, he's going to back you into a corner where you're going to be in obvious pass situation, feeling a little bit of pressure to score to either stay in the game or to win the game. And that's when he unlocks his creativity and really scares you. And so I, I think that that's what he's going to try to do in this game. I, I think where the Niners have an advantage and where it's a little bit different for the Chiefs is they've needed to play from ahead to allow their defense to close and win these games for them. Jesse brought up the stat of how they haven't allowed more than 30 points this year. They also have only beaten one opponent this year that scored more than 20 points 
against them. So this has been a team that's won grinded out low scoring games. They're not really made to come from behind. Those weapons are not that good. You can expose this team if you get ahead of them. And I think that's the key for the 49ers. Spags is going to blitz. And if you allow Spags to be in a situation where they're dictating game flow like they did to Baltimore, like they did to Miami, the Niners are never going to feel in this game because Spags will be creative. He'll constantly get stops on third downs, right? This isn't a Chiefs team that causes a lot of turnovers like Baltimore's defense. I think they were 28th in turnovers this year, which means they get a lot of three and outs and they get three and outs because of Spag's third down creativity and his ability to blitz. And so when you look at those two things and you look at the fact that, hey, the Niners, the Chiefs offense is not good from playing from behind. Like, look at the Raiders game, man. They struggled throughout that Raiders game just because the Raiders kept running the ball and holding on to that lead. You can get this Chiefs team that way. I expect Spags to be aggressive, and that's why I want the Niners' offense to meet that aggression with aggression themselves, and that's why I want them to feature Debo early as well to set a physical tone and set an emotional tone to this game. You have to show the Chiefs that you're not intimidated by them. I think a lot of teams that face them at this point are kind of intimidated by the fact that they just don't lose in the playoffs to just about anybody. Mahomes has an R about them in the defense. Chris Jones and Spags, it feels like they can always get it done when things go wrong. You have to break that aura. You have to spook them a little bit. That's what Tampa Bay did to them, and I think part of that was Brady himself's aura. Somebody has to give the Niners a similar confidence and a similar freeness. I think they have it. An early lead, to me, would do wonders for them because I think it would allow them to know what they know, which is that they're better than the Chiefs on paper. They are. Yeah, they absolutely are. And when I look at this matchup, of course, Spags is going to blitz. That's what he does. What's interesting about the Chiefs is they do kind of rely on Patrick Mahomes being on the sideline and teams knowing that. You look at what the Baltimore Ravens did. The Baltimore Ravens game plan should have been what their game plan always is. Run the ball. They had six runs in a game that really was never out of hand with their running backs why they completely abandoned what they've been since Lamar has been there blows my mind. It doesn't make any sense. The only thing that that I can make sense of is that Patrick Mahomes on the other sideline, and that scares people enough to feel like they have to throw the ball and keep up, I guess. But Spagnuolo is going to blitz, and he's not worried about you picking up six, seven, eight yards at a clip. He's just hoping one time in the drive he can get you to be in a second and ten second and 11 and then he's got you exactly where he wants you he feels like he can unleash everybody he feels like he has a secondary that can stick with receivers man to man and he can force you into some bad mistakes and it's worked for him very well all year long in fact it worked for him last year one time in 36 games they've given up more than 30 points and that oddly enough was last year's super bowl so we'll see if the 49ers can be the second team to do it Cryptic says game has to have similar mindset or game has to have a similar mindset, like how they approach Philadelphia. They buckled down and difference was six, nothing then 14, nothing early possessions are critical. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. They were very sharp that night against the Eagles. Very different uh, offense and very different quarterback though. Yeah. Different deal altogether. Keith Murphy, the unbeaten says, we uh, struggled with Green Bay and Detroit, but both those teams also beat Kansas City. We're primed to get it done. I don't like playing that game of we beat this team, so that means, you know, and they beat them. I mean, they can do the same thing to the 49ers and say, well, we beat the Ravens, and the Ravens smacked y'all, so guess we're going to win the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, the, yeah. I do think the Packers versus Chiefs game, though, is an interesting example of how the Niners can play the game, right? Like they got the Packers jumped ahead on the Chiefs early. They kept the Chiefs to field goals. They scored touchdowns. Um, they ran the football effectively with A.J. Dillon, which was surprising. You know, A.J. Dillon isn't very good in my opinion, but they did it more effectively than they have been in other times with A.J. Dillon. I do think like when you look at how they played that game, the game script it followed, that is something the Niners can look at and feel like they can replicate it for sure. couple others here. Congrats, P. Willis Hall of Fame. What made him so special? Well deserved. Or, you know, Everything. I mean, I- yeah, I mean, <laughs> everything you did say, everything well. You know, he was just a super blue chipper. I mean, he was super strong, super fast, um, and just you know, Superman. I mean, the guy was just just one of the greatest athletes. And um, very, you know, when you're when you have great athleticism and you also make you're, you're like the smartest player at your position, you get you know Jerry Rice, you get Patrick right. Willis, you get the guys who wear the gold jackets. So. He was that special. I was always wondering, would they penalize the fact that he, you know, had the foot injury and didn't have the longevity? And um, I'd much rather see guys whose bodies failed them that were spectacular get in than just guys who just kind of stayed around for a long time. Patrick Willis was like the best linebacker in the game. Yeah. You know, I mean, from day one. Yeah, he was awesome. From day one, right? Like the five first-team All-Pros in seven years is unheard of production. I I think longevity shouldn't matter in these situations. I understand how important it is in a sport where longevity is so difficult to come by, like football. But when you're talking about Patrick Willis or Sterling Sharp, these guys that evidently were so much more special than their peers, I, I don't think that we should penalize them if their bodies eventually failed them. What made him so special is he's literally, if you wanted to draw up a middle linebacker in any era for any defense in a lab, you would create Patrick Willis. Every attribute that he had was that. Great, great player. No question about it. Um, Okay, another one here. Hold on. There we go. Uh, Jordan Pena, this offense misses or this defense misses a Fonga like crazy. Wait, what you, you are, you worry, are you guys worried about, you know, I don't know. If you had a Fonga, you wouldn't have Jair. Jair, I think, is one of your more physical players. I, I really think if the Niners are going to win the game, and I do think they're going to win the game, I think Jair Brown's going to have like 10, 12 tackles in this game. So um, I don't know if I would go with the – I mean, I know Fonga's a good player. You always want all your good players, but um, – Jair Brown, I think, is going to have a big, big role in this game on Sunday. Where, where are you guys with Hafanga, Gibson, Jair? How do you, how do you, how do you see it? How do you see it going next year? Is it as simple as well to get rid of Gibson and go with Hafanga and Brown? Because, you know, I don't know if Brown's good enough down the field. Yeah, I mean, I, I for me, one thing I wanted to see is can one of these guys be a little bit rangy? And I feel like Jair Brown's kind of proven that to me a little bit enough to where him and Huff can play together. Yeah. I think Gibson is retiring after this year. He almost retired last season, came back because he really wanted to play with Hafunga again. Unfortunately, Hafunga got injured. I think, I think a lot of people are drawing a correlation of the defense struggling a little bit ever since Hafunga left. 
maybe that's a Hufunga thing, but I can also say that Hufunga as an individual wasn't having that great of a season. In fact, I was at the Tampa game and I I was ready to talk about Hufunga having a bad game in the post-game pre, uh, post-game thoughts and Hufunga got hurt and was done right. for the year. So I don't know how much of that is because of Hufunga being out and how much of that is just other things that are that are going on, whether it's effort, uh, whether that's Wilkes, whether that's maybe this defense just isn't as good as what they've been in the past. And there are some things that they need to shore up. But certainly, yeah. I, I think a lot of people are drawing that correlation like, oh, Hafunga's out. Defense isn't as good. Must be because of that. Yeah, so I, I agree with everything you just said. Hufunga was having a down year. Um, I, I just find it, uh, I, I think the one thing they miss from him though, specifically is they do miss his energy. His energy was infectious. It added to their team speed. People played faster because they felt faster with him on the defense. He triggered quickly and played with confidence. Um, too, I, I thought this entire interaction, by the way, in the super chats was hilarious. Some guy in the comments said it best. This guy really paid you five bucks just to call the other guy a clown. That is so funny to me. And then finally, um, in regard to Hufanga and Jair Brown playing together, I, I think that it could work. I, I think that it would be solid. But I think the big correlation with the Niners defense going down was Eric Armstead getting hurt. The Niners interior defensive line play has been bad this year. It's not been very good. They haven't gotten the contributions from Javon Hargrave that we thought. It's been since the early season during their three-game losing streak. He was not doing too well. They said that he was dealing with the knee injury and then he came back and played better at the bye and it seems like whatever that knee injury was or whatever was holding him back has come back. They haven't gotten that kind of production from him. Armstead has been good since he's come back from injury, but he definitely hasn't been the same. I think that's been their biggest miss. Their interior defensive line just hasn't played up to snuff. And if we're talking about a game where, hey, like I'm telling Chase Young, and I'm, well, he's an outside player, but I'm telling Chase Young, and I'm telling Randy Gregory if I'm Steve Wilkes, and I'm telling Javon Hargrave, like all of you, like Javon Hargrave, you got paid $40 million. This is it. Nick Allegretti. You should be able to dominate him. Go get him. This is the game you can go win for the 49ers. Chase Young, you want to go get a big contract this offseason? Juwan Taylor, Donovan Smith, these guys are right there for the picking. Chase Young should be able to have a game against these guys. They're right there. Go have a game against them. If I'm Steve Wilkes, I'm hyping it up. This defensive line has to go win them a game. They're way too highly paid. There's too many good players on that defensive line for Nick Bosa to be the only one producing week, week in and week out. It's high time we get high-level production from the Javon Hargraves and all of that because that's been the big issue for their defense. Yeah, no, seriously, well said. $40 million has got to give you something, man. I mean, hey, he's been two things just- real quick. Larry, one, Allegretti, that's your guy. I remember you right. were talking about trying right. to get him this offseason. Right. Uh, and two, uh, I know that you're in the lobby at the hotel. A lot of these guys in the chat are saying that they hear a lot of background. So maybe uh, maybe when you're not talking, just mute your mic so that it's not picking up all the other oh, stuff, gotcha. I guess. I don't gotcha. know. Good call. Uh, Terrence Sullivan says, Jordan, shut your trap. Hafanga missed too many tackles. <laughs> Sit this one out. Uh, there we go. Gizmo Maltese. I miss the good old days when the 49ers dominated in the uh, Super Bowl. Cameron Izelli says, Jawan Jennings is getting slept on this game. I think he's going to be a key factor. I agree with that. Murray Hamilton says, I think Andy Reid's going to take Wilkes out, of, out to the woodshed. Unfortunately, soft shell is going to get us killed before the first half is over. Please 
We'll see. Um, it's a big day. It's a big day for Wilkes for sure, and for for the Niner D. I totally agree though on on what Vicious point was too. It's like, you know what? Hargrave's got forty million dollars guaranteed. They they traded for Chase Young. These guys all have big reps. You know, let's go. I mean, if you if, this is it right here. I mean, this D line has got to got to do something. They've been they got pushed around by Detroit. Um, they didn't get a lot done against Jordan Love initially. So, I mean, it's come on. It's time for this D line to really play like what we thought they were going to play like when they when when they put the thing together. Uh, Keith Murphy says need Greenlaw and Warner to play like Willis and Bowman. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, Vish. Ooh, what a Abu name. Hoss Shout is, out to Vish. My guy. <laughs> we got another Vish. Just very common name. Uh, he, oh, says, yeah. he says, sir, are concerned about Jake Moody? Please answer, sir. Well, Vish, I feel like this is apropos yeah, for you to answer this one. <laughs> Honestly, guys, I'm not sure. I, I honestly am not sure. Am I concerned? Like, obviously, a part of me is concerned. The guy has missed two kicks in two games. But at the same time, the second kick he's made in both of those games have been remarkably clutch to me. Like, they felt like pressure kicks. And then it's like, oh, my God, he was tough to stand in that moment and make that kick, right? The first one, the first drive after the second half versus the Lions, it was imperative that the Niners got points. And then in wet conditions against Green Bay to drill a 52-yarder in another imperative position for them to get points, like – that was huge as well. I, I frankly, I, I don't know, guys. I really don't know about this one because he has been clutch and tough and mentally resilient in these playoffs while at the same time also being concerning because, yeah, he's missed two kicks. I don't know if he's going to miss kicks, but am I concerned? I 100% know that I'm concerned, yes. Oh, you're <laughs> you know what? For sure. Uh, yeah, know. why would I not be? It took him exactly one kick. It took him exactly one attempt in the playoffs to do exactly what Robbie Gold had never done, which was miss a kick. Oh, it was blocked. It was first of all, it was a low kick. That's why it was blocked. Second of all, it looked like it was going wide left anyways. So no, I, I don't I don't trust him. I didn't I didn't like the draft pick the night of the draft. People thought I was complaining about it. He kicks the ball out of the back of the end zone on kickoffs. Well, he hasn't even done that yeah, half. If he time. doesn't do that, they're screwed. <laughs> And then, and then he was highly inaccurate in college under 50 from 40 to 50 yards. And he's been highly inaccurate in the NFL in that same range. That's where he misses most of his kicks. So yeah, I'm concerned. I'm not saying he's going to miss his kicks. I don't know the answer to that, but am I concerned? Yeah, absolutely. All I got to tell you is at least this time, Asante Samuel isn't coming in there and disrupting his kickoff practice routine. <laughs> you remember when that was happening to David Akers? All I would say is don't lean on the kicker. Pythagoras says, uh, there you go. I'm Pythagoras. Daryl Granville says, it'll be huge if we can wear out their thin D-line. Yeah, that'd be nice. Run at them, wear them down. Pythagoras, Brock is to Mahomes what Eli was for Brady. I All said right, this I the other like day that. on my show, yeah. Oh, you yeah. did? Is that a Jesse Naylor line? Uh, I don't know. I'm sure that most multiple people can come to the same people? take. No, I've never heard of Pythagoras. So he came to the conclusion it sounds like on his own, but yeah, definitely. Great minds think alike there. Yeah, did he have a Eureka moment? <laughs> Ooh, maybe. Um, okay. Um Tim what is that? Tim Diff Electric, formerly Bob's Chicken Briquettes. Says, wow, brother game... Bob's brother Bob's <laughs> naming convention has caught on. 
Uh, this game has the potential to turn into a Super Bowl 20, uh, 23 favoring the Niners. My God, I can't. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can deal with a Super Bowl 23 again. Last second, Montana to Taylor, near interception in the end zone. A couple plays earlier to what ended the game for the other team. I don't know if I can. Can we, can we just get one easy one? How about Mahomes fumbles four times and the Niners uh, <laughs> get a pick six in the first quarter and get up 21 nothing and it's like 35-7 at half and nobody knows what hit Kansas City and then the second half's just kind of a lot of running. Perfect. Uh, Actually, I have a question for you guys. I've been asking this one all week. All right. So you have I, two well, choices. Wait, wait, one second, one second. I yeah, think he ahead, was talking ahead. about Super Bowl 24. That was 24. IV is four. What? 24? So he's talking yeah. about the Denver. So he's talking about Denver. 55 to 10. Oh, yeah. He wants no, yeah. So that's what he wants. Uh, either way, we'll take yeah, it. Go ahead, as long go as ahead, it results in a 49er win. All right. I'll ask you this first, Larry, and then Vish will, will get your answer. So you have two choices. Either the 49ers are down four with a minute left, two timeouts, getting the ball at the 25-yard line, needing a touchdown, or they're up four with a minute left, two timeouts, Kansas City is getting the ball, needing a touchdown. Which scenario would you rather have at the end of the game, Larry? Down. Me too. Yeah, down down as well. <laughs> I have more belief that Brock and these weapons can do it than I, I believe too. that the Niner defense can stop Mahomes. I just, yep. I pretty much just don't have belief the Niners' offense can stop def, offense can stop or defense can stop Mahomes. But I really wanted to say their defense, not because I don't believe in Brock Purdy in this situation. He's obviously shown that he can accomplish what needs to be accomplished in that situation the last two weeks. Just because of the defensive line point, man. Those guys, come on. That offensive line is missing their best football player in Joe Tooney. Those two offensive tackles stink. You have a four-point lead. You got to be able to close the game on with the defensive line that includes Nick Bosa. I'm looking at you, Chase Young, Javon Hargrave, Eric Armstead. It's time to go. Chase Young got called out. How's he going to respond in this game? He's going to make the optics look as good as possible. I mean, this is the best thing that we could hope for. Chase Young is going to have a high motor all game long. There's no excuses now. I think. I think. Uh... Him getting called out like that may be one of the best things that ever happened. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, um, Samir Azir says, I, the bit, it's the big show. Thanks for the content. What's up, Samir? You, you know, I, the way I look at Chase Young is to me, he's one of those players that's so athletically gifted that he doesn't need to be on it and just motivated in every game. You just need him to reach the level that he's capable of reaching in one of those games, right? Jadavian Clowney, to me, is a great example of this. Jadavian Clowney, a couple games every year, if you get him, like, really motivated. Pete Carroll did this for him, the Thanksgiving game in 2019. He can just wreck a game because he's so physically gifted. Chase Young has that kind of talent to me, guys. I, I Like, you got to look at Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor. You got to look at how much they've struggled this season. I mean, Juwan Taylor was lining up in the backfield half the, for half the season because he was so nervous about getting beat around the edge. If you're Chase Young, man, you got to feel like I can go get paid. Like, you can go get paid. If you perform in this game the way you're capable of, you can go get paid. You can change your life. You can change the 49ers' future, too, because you can go win them a Super Bowl. You have that kind of talent. Come on, man. Come on. I felt that way at Radio Row today. I felt like, hey, look, if I if you just deliver today, you know, you can get paid. 
I mean, you can absolutely <laughs> get paid. Um, Just yeah. don't be lazy, Larry. This is the yeah. one day you've been called out. Yeah. You can sleep into 11 and, uh, <laughs> you know, tell your wife to go walk the dog. But you know what? Uh, you know, you got to go for it. You got to hustle. You got to really hustle in this world, damn it. All right. Uh, <laughs> Keith Murphy, the unbeaten, says, Jesse, how was your son after the AFC championship? Yeah, I mean. You know, I tried to tell you guys that it was Kansas City. You guys were very adamant that it was Baltimore. How did Didn't you pick Kansas City to lose the week before to Buffalo, though? <laughs> I'm pretty uh, sure you did. <laughs> no, 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 actually, I didn't. No, I didn't. I bet, <laughs> didn't. I bet, I bet Kansas City against Buffalo. He picked, uh, he picked Houston to beat Baltimore. I picked Houston oh, that's right. That's all. Oh, that's what it was. He was picking against Baltimore the whole time. That's what it was. But I mean, I just think, <laughs> you know, I, I was, I thought. You know, if I'm a Ravens fan, I'm disgusted. I mean, Todd oh, Bunkin, I mean, you, you have six carries for running backs. You're the number one rushing offense. You actually started off running and you had a little success, and then you just willingly abandon it. So what that Lamar can pass. What what playoff game has Lamar been awesome as a thrower in? I mean, it's like that I think Munkin might be the absolute worst offensive coordinator in the history of football. I mean, he misread that situation completely. What'd you guys yeah, think? Yeah, that, I mean, that was a horrible, horrible game plan. Horrible game plan by, by Munkin. And yeah, it just didn't make any sense to me. But as far as my son, I was at the 49er game, uh, watching that game prior to, uh, prior to the 49er game starting in the stadium. My son was pretty gutted, that's for sure. He was definitely gutted. And, you know, I mean, I wanted Baltimore to win just because I want my nine-year-old to be happy, but they weren't the better team, and Kansas City's here. And so the 49ers have got to deal with that, and I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl. And and truth be told, I'm a little bit at ease because watching the Super Bowl with my son, his team versus mine, it's like no matter what, like I'm, I'm not gonna feel yeah, good right, that yeah, if the 49ers right. win and I got my son like devastated next to me, so now I don't even have to deal with that. I can just root for the Niners and not feel guilty about it. So, uh, I think the uh, best outcome came out of that one for I, sure. I will say one thing about the Munkin thing and the worst offensive coordinator. I'm with you. Was he called a terrible game? But look, they were in a one score game at home where their defense got stop after stop, and they put the ball in their MVP quarterback's hands, and he got a little spooked in that game, man. He got a little spooked by Spags. He was not dropping back and playing with the efficiency he played with the entire season. I I still feel like in a one-score game at home, you should feel confident no matter how much you're putting the game in that guy's hands because he is the MVP of the NFL, and it never felt close to me. That was the one thing about that game that really disappointed me from Lamar's standpoint. I would obviously blame Munkin more. I'm right with both of you guys, but it was disappointing to me that it never felt close, and that game was one score the entire time, and Matabuke and that defense dominated the second half. Um, guys, if you can't keep it clean in the chat, we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to, you know, start banning people from the chat. Um, and Vish, I'm talking specifically to you, so if you can't keep it, you know, clean in the chat, Vish. No, no, I'm just joking. Um, not talking about Vish at all. But uh, if you guys can't keep it, keep it right in the chat. Um, I'm gonna have to come to your house, beat <laughs> you up. You don't want that. You don't want that. Well, you don't want that. You don't want that. You, then what if I trip and fall and sue you? You know, not, <laughs> do it that way. 
I'm on my way to run and come to your house to beat you up. You see a 54 year old guy kind of pudgy and he falls down, he trips and it looks like he cut his knee. And now he's got probably going to get up on your insurance and it's going to be ugly. So just remember, <laughs> remember what can happen. Okay. Just the, how, the terrible things that are out there. All right. Uh, Aaron lost says, um, I asked somewhat jokingly, I asked copes on the, on their chat to bring you on as a guest. Oh, look at that. Thank you. And he said that you were talking shit on them. What? What say you? Come on, man. Anybody who knows me knows I talk shit on everybody at all times. So, Who's Copes? Oh, Who's he's he's our buddy Adam Copeland from Cambiar. I'm sure. You know what? Somebody. I don't know. I I. If you're saying could I have talked s? I I could have. Uh, I guess I missed care. out on my opportunity. Krug does not care right now. I mean, I may have, I may have talked a little smack. It's the way I roll. All right. Uh, Pythagoras says, hope refs let him play. Ambry gets away with, what does it say? PIs. With PIs. I think they will, right? Bill Binovich always gets these big games because historically his crew lets them play. They don't throw True. a lot of flags. Um, in fact, guys, I would prefer for a tightly officiated game. Uh, just because the Niners are the one with the talent advantages in a lot of areas in the trenches. The team with the talent advantage is usually the team that's less likely to hold. Uh, I, I would like them to call the game a little bit tighter. And Krug, did you ever get around to asking Nick Bosa about the offsides penalties from 2021, what that was all about? I still have never seen that in my life. The start of the game, two neutral zone infraction penalties on Nick Bosa. It almost it felt a little, little too convenient there. Um, yeah, no, seriously, I, mean, I got to get that out of him. I absolutely do. Flav says, Jess, I think you need to make shirts that say most certainly. I feel like I say no doubt about it more than I do most certainly. Do yeah, I say I, most I, certainly a lot? I don't. I, say no I, didn't, I thought this it. was an inside joke when I saw the comment come in because I don't feel like I associate most certainly with you that way. I do say no doubt about it all the time, though. So you that's do. that's probably the shirt that really needs to be made. Just remember this. If you're going to have a crutch phrase, you'd rather it be, you know, instead of, you know what I'm saying. Just think it over. <laughs> Just think it over. You know what I'm saying? Think it over. <laughs> the you know crutch is bad. The you know what I'm saying is worse. Mm. I interviewed a guy one time who had the you know what I'm saying crutch. And, I mean, the lines are lighting up. I mean, people just could not get enough of that. All right. Um, one last one here as we're kind of towards the back end here. I'm Ke Kev's wrapping me. Um, Keith Murphy, the unbeaten, says Krug is on one right now. Thank you. <laughs> it's, my, it's Vegas Krug. I'm much more relaxed. Um, you know, I haven't walked the dog in a while. And no, nobody here to tell me that I'm not parking in the right spot and all these things <laughs> like that, that. You know, it's amazing. I I just go on and it's, I'm, I'm, I'm undefeated here. Um, but no, give us some aspect. This will be the last time you guys, you and I all talk before Super Bowl Sunday. Give me one aspect of this game that we haven't hit that you think we, you'd like to say something about because, um, man, we've been waiting on this one for four years. The Niners are getting, getting a little payback on Kansas City. I feel good about their chances. Most of it because I really think they're going to have success running out of two backs. I think Purdy's going to be sharp. Um, and I think the 49er defense has been called out. And I think Bosa and Chase Young are going to be flying off the edges. And 
excuse me, I don't think they're I don't think that tackle uh tandem can block those guys. So I like the Niners uh to win 31-20, but I think it oh, could be Oh, you like the inverse of uh 2019. Yeah, I like 31-20 Niners. I like that. Wow, and I love that. That's a bold take. Chief, well, look at the if you look at the numbers this year, Chiefs are like undefeated, like 10 and 0 when they get to 21, something like that. And um and it's like, you know what? I think the 49ers are going to keep them under their magic 21. And I think the Niners are going to score 30 and probably get a couple turnovers to get it done. But that's how I see it. I see 31-20, and I think Purdy uh, really plays well in this game. Maybe it's I'll, partial hope, but that's I'll give that's you a it. different angle to it, Krug. Special teams. We talk mm-hmm. so much about offense and defense. The Chiefs have consistently had an excellent special teams under Dave Tope. Great special teams coach. They've always been very good on special teams. It's turned games for them in the playoffs, right? When they were down 24-0 to Houston in 2019, it was a big Miko Hardman return that sparked it. Tyreek Hill has had big game-changing returns, right? The 13 seconds game against the Bills, people forget the Bills punted to him earlier in that game. I think he had an 87-yard punt return in that game. The Niners special teams has basically just not lost them games. Uh, we've talked about Moody, right? Butker is an excellent kicker, but then their kickoff coverage is just pretty much terrible. I know Keyshawn Nixon is an all pro this year, but he also just broke a return like it was nothing. The one chance they gave him and they kind of, you know, had a lucky force fumble from Flanagan Fowles that had one of the great fumble recoveries I've seen in terms of the guy being able to slide and recover it the way he did without losing control. I think that's a part of this game I'm, I'm worried about. I'm worried about the Niners' kickoff coverage, whether it's Tony, whether it's Hardman. Both are, both guys, if they're right, are capable of breaking kicks open against the Niners. That would be an angle of this game I don't think anybody is considered, but I, I'm worried about it. I hear I hear that, too. Niner West says, the Raiders beating KC deserves more attention. You can't guard Kelsey any better. Um, yeah, that was a... You know, the Raiders also had a great day running the football. Right. Um, if you go to the next one here, Terrence Sullivan, that Lions game was greatly officiated. I agree um, with that. Cryptic says, born in November of 90, only heard about our great Super Bowl runs, and I'm tired of it. I want us to celebrate the new generation of 49er football. Let's go, Niners. Let's go. I, I mean, I did watch – um, the 94 uh, Super Bowl actually pretty recently. Um, and it was one of the first like VHS tapes my dad showed me when I was younger. And it, it's cool to see how aggressive they are so early in the game and the way they just take it to them. I mean, that game was over before it even started. It was just beautiful. Go watch the stream that I did with Steve Young. I mentioned to him the second touchdown, which was the one to Rice. And it was mm. this beautiful design, Shan- Mike Shanahan play call where he ran rice through the middle of the field and the safety just went right with him. And then Ricky came in behind him in the exact same like trajectory. And just, there was not nobody there. And Ricky was just running for free. You know, I said, I said to uh, Steve young man, I'd love to see Kyle dust that thing off with like, IU can like CMC or something like that. It would just be absolutely amazing. Um, okay. KJ Everly. The Super Bowl is in a dome. No excuses for Moody. Keith unbeaten. Mur- Keith Murphy, the unbeaten. Kyle has the um crush. He didn't go to speech class. Yeah, and then um, um, Jesse uh, Wade. How the fuck did Dak get more <laughs> MVP votes than Brock Purdy? 
or CMC? Plays for the Cowboys. Do you remember Andre Garrard making the Pro Bowl six straight years and then getting cut? <laughs> like, that's what happens. It's just disrespect. It's disrespect. Keith Murphy from the unbeaten 24 17 Niners. I don't think we get to 30 on Casey's defense. Okay. And we got Niner West, who's back in the house. He said, um, Andy has a habit of play, of saving a play for late. When he sees something is open, he waited until the end of the games to expose it. That's how Tyreek beat us last games. Last game. Yeah, well, Andy's just a freaking great coach. That's bottom line there. And then Flav jumps in with worried about the deed disguising. We're going to see how good a processor Brock really is. I hope he has balls. Um, yeah, I think there's some truth in that one, actually, from Flav. I do think they're going to kind of test Brock in a lot of ways. And then um, you got to remember he's a second-year player. The underscore Poe says if the Niners win, who are the three players that are going to be interviewed for the America ga- America's Game episode? Oh, I can't wait if the Niners win. I love America's game. I love watching them on the build-up to Super Bowl week. I think Kittle will be one for sure. I think Shanahan will be one for sure. And then I think will be the third. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll say. Or maybe uh, maybe remove Shanahan and put Purdy. But I, I feel like this moment. I feel like you got to have Purdy in there. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'll say it'll be Purdy and Fred Warner and uh, – Talanoa Hufanga or something like that. Is it, is it, because, is it because like sometimes they like throw Howard Griffith on there? Like we really want to see Howard Griffith talk about you know <laughs> the Broncos in America's game. Is that why you're saying like who do who did you say? Did you say Talanoa Hufanga? Is that why you said that? Yeah, no, maybe no disrespect. Maybe Howard Griffith is a little tough for Hufanga. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, good stuff. Um, Kev's got me on a tight schedule. Uh, you know, we're meeting people. We're doing things. Uh, he's standing over me, giving me the wrap it, wrap it, wrap it. We've got to get to our next uh, extravaganza. So, anyway, guys, good to see you. Have a great yeah, night. Great to see this. Go Niners. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> he won't blame you guys. He'll blame me. He's like, Dad, it'll be, it was you. It was you. <laughs> Dad, you talking? You talking? Hey, you said you said one more thing, and then it was thirty it's things, like Cosmo always thing. says in the chat. Man, what's one up? Vision. <laughs> I'll get all the criticism from Kev right there. <laughs> all right, guys, everybody have a great night. Peace, go Niners. Yeah, never met a man. I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get exactly what you asked for. Careful, what I.